Caitlin, I got an idea. What is it, Andrew? I got an idea. Tell okay. me. What am I going to do? Okay. Be, be quiet, though. Don't, don't, okay. don't get too loud. You know how it's spooky season now? I do know. I'm thinking I'm going to just, uh, I'm just going to say the, the name of the show, like, okay. kind of loud in a minute. Oh, everybody. At least get, like, a jump radio. scare. Turn your radio down. Yeah, no, no, oh. don't, don't, don't tell them. Oh, okay, okay. It's going to be a jump scare. Oh. They're not going to see it coming. They'll never they know. They can't hear us right now. They'll never know. Like, what are you? So just like, don't, don't freak out. Okay. All right. Welcome to Paint the Town Dead. I'm Andrew here with Caitlin. Hi. And uh, we're going to talk about some stuff today. Today, we are going to be talking about the Crescent Hotel in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. Um, but, but also some other stuff, too. Andrew, are you ready for episode 32? I have been ready for episode 32 since episode zero. Oh, my, that was before we started anything. Exactly. That's okay. why it's zero. Wow. You are so ready I've, for this. I've been ready for episode 32 my whole life. I'm, and I'm, this is the this is the first time, I don't know if you know this, first time, only time we will ever have an episode 32. Unless we start a new podcast. This is the only episode 32 of... <laughs> Paint the town dead. That, that, is, that is correct. All right. Let's get to it. Okay. All right. So, Andrew, this episode, we are talking about the Crescent Hotel, which is notoriously the most haunted hotel in America. Uh, citation needed. Okay. I'll find it. <laughs> uh, I'll put it in the show notes. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, other names I love for the Crescent Hotel, the grand old lady of the Ozarks. And also known as Castle in the Air. I like Castle in the Air. The other one is, is too long. The grand old lady of the Ozarks. <laughs> yeah. I like I like Castle in the Air sounds very mysterious. Which this is a very mysterious place. I mean Castle in the Sky, isn't that a a Studio Ghibli movie? I have no idea. Okay. Well anyway. Okay. It sounds mystical. Um I need a um a reference on that one, please. Okay. Okay. All right. So today we're going to be talking about the Crescent Hotel. Um, I'm also going to be talking about some of the more notable characters, both alive and dead, in the Crescent Hotel in the Crescent Hotel's history. Um, so I got a lot of information from a lot of different sources. I'm going to go ahead and tell you about them. The Smithsonian Mag um, had some great stuff. Uh, Americans, ah, uh, look at this. America's Most Haunted Hotel dot com Crescent Hotel. Take that. Uh, history.shtml, don't know what that means, uh, Encyclopedia of Arkansas for two different entries, Wikipedia and Traveltales.net. I, I sourced it out this week. And also your own personal experience. Yes, because I went to the Crescent Hotel. I lived this. You, you were there. I was there. Okay. So I like this descriptor of the Crescent Hotel. It's from their website. Perched high above the Victorian village of Eureka Springs, Arkansas, is the 1886 Crescent Hotel and Spa, a palatial structure and landmark hotel known widely in the Ozark Mountains as, quote, the symbol of hospitality for the state of Arkansas. 
An icon for Eureka Springs Lodging, the full-service Crescent Hotel features 72 rooms with upscale suites and four luxury cottages. Guests enjoy the resort activities, hot tubs, swimming pool, new moon spa and salon, crystal dining room, and sky bar gourmet pizza, concierge and bellman service, and 15 acres of manicured gardens with hiking, biking, and walking trails that loop around the city and past the city dog park, skate park, and the city playground. Kind of just turned into an advertisement at the end there for you. Yeah, well, it Are was... Are they paying us? <laughs> That'd be awesome, but no. Uh, this is a direct quote from the website. And I was like, if that really captures the sprawl of this and how beautiful and expansive it is. So it's a wonderful place. So let's talk about the beginnings of the Crescent. Okay? Okay. Yes. Okay. Are you okay I'm with in, it? I'm into this. You were shaking your head. That was... Everybody... It was, this was a silent shake, but he was shaking his head yes. Yeah, very good for an audio-based medium for it me is. to just... Uh, do symbols and and like it's gonna be like nod. it's gonna be like when i show you pictures and be like look at this and, you, and everybody's gonna be like cool i love looking at this thing that isn't here oh are you gonna show me pictures maybe i might okay well, all right let's calm let's calm down okay so this is again some excerpts from the eureka springs times echo may 20th 1886 which is when the crescent hotel opened with the opening of the grandiose Crescent Hotel, Eureka Springs entered a new and exciting era. Notables from afar are arriving in our fair city, and soon many others will follow. The Crescent, built by the Eureka Springs Improvement Company and the Frisco Railroad, is America's most luxurious resort hotel, featuring large, airy rooms comfor comfortably furnished. The Crescent Hotel offers the visiting vacationer opulence unmatched in convenience and service. Tonight's gala ball will find in attendance many of the leaders, blah, 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 blah. But here are some of the cool, notable people. Honorable James G. Blaine, the Republican presidential nominee, will attend with his charming wife, Laura. And Harry Barton, who was a famous orchestra guy, played there. So America's newest and most luxurious hotel built cost $294,000 in 1886 money. And Andrew, I want you to know that I found an inflation calculator. Calcular? Calculator. I like calculator. That's a good. That's a good fake word. Now <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty good. Okay, calculator. Um, this calculator and pretty much all the other ones I found only went back to 1913. So I don't know how much it would be in okay. 2020 money. But it. W I just know that it would be over eight million dollars in 2020 money. That seems about right. Kind of almost I, low to th me. That's kind of what I thought too. But maybe I'm just used to seeing the price tags of like football stadiums or something. Well, that's true. This is not a. It'll probably cost about as much as a football stadium, though. A nice one. Eight million? Yeah. No. No, 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 no. Hundreds no? of millions, even billion. That's ridiculous. Like, the Rams' new stadium in LA is, like, in the billion range. Oh, I was talking about colleges. Also, the, I mean, like, I can look up how much, like, say, just Arkansas State Stadium cost. Yeah, their new one? Actually, in fact, I can just tell you, their new um, press box that yeah, they got, yeah, yeah, was that huge. was, like, 20 million. What? Something like that, yeah. Okay, yeah. Whoever built this got a deal. So, wow. Okay. So, we're heading back to 1854. As you can tell, this is before the Crescent Hotel opened. In 1854, Dr. Alva Jackson brought his son to the famous healing springs of Eureka Springs to treat an eye injury he had. And miraculously, after a few months, it healed. And during the Civil War, and especially through the Battles of Pea Ridge, which happened in March of 1862... Dr. Jackson would bring soldiers from both sides to be treated by the healing waters. And when the war was over, Dr. Jackson just remained in the area. He loved it so much. 
He had heard of an unhealing wound on one Judge L.B. Saunders. So he invited Saunders to the Springs and within two months his leg was healed. So he was like a believer in this area and what the Springs held. So the influential judge spread far and wide the miracles of the healing spring water and lots and lots of people came from far and wide. They wanted to enjoy the Springs, which claimed to be healing and it claimed to cure things from baldness, hay fever, cancer, and quote, female trouble, whatever that is. I think that's just where they're like, we don't want to say it's awkward. <laughs> or see, I imagine female trouble as like female bank robbers. So cures, cures the, cures that kind of stuff. Female trouble. No, I think it's the awkward one. Oh, uh, well, if I, like I were to, to guess, if I like to pretend, okay, it's either, it's either the awkward one or it's the one where they're like, oh, women be crazy. Oh yeah. Hysteria. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like hysterectomy. Get it? It's the same base word. Oh. Take that. There's a thing there. Look it up. Okay. Oh. The Springs brought thousands of visitors a year, which led some to realize that it had a great potential for lots of profit. So in 1879, the popular area was made a town and dubbed Eureka Springs. And those looking for healing, as well as the rich and famous alike, came to Eureka to enjoy it. So the Crescent, we're going to go to the Crescent now. It took two years to build and was quite the impressive feat and structure for the area. Um, this is a quote, again, from the Crescent website about their history. Uh, special wagons were constructed to transport the huge pieces of magnesium limestone from the quarry site on the White River near Beaver, which is a town nearby. Due to the density of the special stone and the precision necessary in cutting and fitting, a group of specialists, like specialist stonemasons from Ireland, were brought here to assist and advise in construction. Uh, and that's from the Times Echo that had the other quote earlier. These walls, these cuts of limestone were 18 inches thick and they were so precise it didn't need mortar. Like they just like put it together. It was great. Isn't that wild? That is wild. Okay. And that's so, that's so, 18 inches sounds like a lot. That's a foot and a half, right? Did I math right real quick? I think you did. That's pretty impressive. Okay. So I just put in the notes, that's incredible. Eighteen <laughs> foot and a half thick walls. Um, so it's during this construction that the hotel's first ghost came into being. Michael, who's very famous. Michael, so the story of Michael goes that Michael was one of the Irish stonemasons uh, that were hired in to build, to help build it. And he loved him some ladies. Hell yeah. Yeah. So um, while working atop uh, one of the buildings one day, uh, it said that he fell to his death and landed on a wood board that would become the floor of room 218 at the hotel, which is the most haunted and the most requested room at the Crescent Hotel. Now. So, Michael still loves the ladies all these years later. Hell yeah. Yeah, dude. Way to go, Michael. He's just keeping keeping that swag. My man. Yeah. So, he spends his afterlife flirting and toying with women that stay in the room. And I think it might be a suite. There's another room. Something like that. And he sometimes gets jealous of the men there and kind of like tries to push them out of bed. He's like, hey... I want to flirt with the ladies. And some people say that during the night, they're awoken by the sound of a loud thud, sounding like something dropping, and they suspect that it's likely Michael reliving his last moments. That sounds like a bad time. That Yeah. But I mean, you're a ghost. What else are you going to do? For all eternity, <laughs> I get to fall to my death again. Yay me. What a what a time. Being yeah. a ghost seems like a nightmare. <laughs> but I, I mean, I guess, you know, it would be. I'm sorry, I had to take a drink. I agree. Okay, um, I need to. I needed to wet my whistle. Okay, 
So, Isaac S. Taylor of St. Louis, Missouri, was the architect for this hotel. He was renowned for his leadership in the execution of the Louisiana Purchase Expedition, and he designed a total of 10 very grand hotels. Nine were built, but only just like just a few of them remain today, and the Crescent's one of them. He was so well-respected and good at what he did that he was appointed the chairman of the Architectural Commission and Director of Works for the World's Fair in 1904. Well, that's pretty cool. I like history, so this is very history-heavy today. Yeah. World's Fairs aren't much of a thing anymore, I don't think, right? I was wondering, is that a thing? I don't think so. Do they have them anymore? I don't believe they do. They do? I've never heard of one. Yeah. I I think maybe it's just like... We have the internet and television. We can show off all of our stuff that way. And planes, so you can go visit countries. Right. And it doesn't take 18 months to get there. <clears throat> yeah, and there's no, like, I don't know, like, the weird... They, they used to have, like, weird uh, exhibits where it's yeah. like, check out these... Uh, Children in iron lungs. Well, I was going to say more like, check out what these people are like from this country, and there'd be, like, some weird racist thing. It would, yes. <laughs> and it's like, uh... That's not cool. Different, different time. That's not cool. Okay, so the men responsible for the Crescent, like it coming into being, are General Powell Clayton and Richard Cairns. These men were in the military, and once out, they began advancing through the railroad railroad industry as well as the political scene. Wow, I had trouble with that sentence. Clayton served as the ambassador to Mexico, like later on in his life, while Cairns, later on on in his life, served as the ambassador to Austria-Hungary. So, a uh, little backstory on Clayton. He's a pretty important dude, which I took Arkansas history when I was in middle school, didn't you? Or high uh, school, something like something, that. Something, yeah. Yeah. I don't remember any of this. So, little little Arkansas history for those of you that, that didn't listen or didn't retain like, like I did. Okay. I mean, like most Arkansas history we get is like um, the explorers who came here mm-hmm. early on. Yeah. And uh, Little Rock Nine. And yep. then that's it. Oh, and Bill. Sometimes. Yeah. It was, it was still recent enough. I don't think I got much of the, yeah, the me Bill too. stuff. Yeah, me too. There wasn't like history because he was, you know, in office until 2000 or whatever. That's true. Very true. Okay. So, some backstory on Clayton first. Um, he uh, he was pretty influential, influential dude. Clayton would set up the Republican Party of Arkansas and be elected as the first Republican governor in, on July 2nd, 1868. Pretty cool, right? While governor, <laughs> I like this little story they had. He heard of some KKK activity in the southern half of the state. He did not like that. So he gathered a militia and charged the militia to stomp out that nonsense down there, is what it said. Hell yeah. So he started the Clayton School of Law, which provided free education to all children in Arkansas. Um, he also made sure Arkansas met the requirements for a state college. So in 1868, Arkansas Industrial University opened its doors, and this would later become the University of Arkansas in 1899. Um, Dude was also elected to the U.S. Senate, moved to D.C., spent six years there, came back in 1878, and for two years, he served as the president of the Little Rock, Mississippi, and Texas Railroad before retiring back to Eureka in 1880. While back in Eureka, Powell expanded the railways so the resort town could be more easily accessible to the rich. With the help of his friend Richard Cairns, um, and Richard Cairns was quite the businessman, and he pretty much helped fund the creation of the Crescent. Due to slow business in the winter months, the Crescent Hotel became the Crescent College and Conservatory for Women starting in 1908. Uh, The school would be open from September to June, 
and then from june to august would be like hotel and tourism time uh so they kind of functioned at the same time together i was a little confused about that like hearing about it from the tour i thought they were like crescent was open here the conservatory is open here no they ran together so um the conservatory housed up to 88 highly educated and bright young women each year so the school was in operation from 1908 to 1924 when it closed the school had leased through the crescent hotel and up until that time and when the lease was up they had the option to purchase the property or to close the conservatory because they the lease was up so they had to unfortunately they did not come up with enough funds required to purchase the property so the college closed uh, while operating, though, the college was renowned for its high, quote, high standards and Christian atmosphere, high standards and Christian atmosphere. So good for them. The women attending were taught subjects such as English, history, math, science, languages, music, speech, business, art, tennis, hiking, horseback riding and hygiene, which I'm assuming is like home ec, but I just love that there's a class called hygiene. Oh, yeah, that would make more sense if it was more like a home ec type thing than like, this is how you shower. <laughs> Which, who knows? Maybe it is. You want to wash your hands after touching that stuff there. Yeah. Raw, after you touch raw meat, please wash your hands with soap. Yeah. I'm Janet Snakel. <laughs> don't, don't, uh, don't like lick your hands or whatever. <laughs> it's like, get that raw meat juice. Ew. That's nasty. It would beat you. It would, you would, yeah. That's you why know. they had to have a class on it. You know about it. Okay, so there was also they were also pretty well known for their really good basketball team named the Crescent Comets. You go, girls! Uh, it reopened after it closed. Uh, it reopened as Crescent Junior College from 1930 to 1934, but it ultimately closed due to lack of funding, which seems to be a theme through here. You'll see. So um, that was a little bit about the next phase of the Crescent, and now. We're going to go into the darkest phase of Crescent history. You ready? I'm very ready. You know about this. We'll see. A little bit. I probably don't. Okay. So, in 1937, three years after Crescent Junior College closed, Norman Glenwood Baker of Muscatine, Iowa, made his way down south to Eureka Springs to take over the vacant hotel. John Baker, this fella... He was the youngest of 10 children and a con man through and through. Flim flam man. He was a flim flam man. You're right. Dude, I forgot about that. He left high school after his uh, sophomore year and more or less joined the circus. And by circus, I mean a vaudeville musician act, which I guess was popular then. He would eventually create and head his own act starring Madame Pearl Tangley, who was some kind of medium or something. Um, And there were multiple Madam Pearl Tangley's. They kept quitting and he got new ones. Oh, and they just have the same name? Yep. That's fun. So it's like James Bond. Yeah. <laughs> they get new actors. Yeah. James Bond. That one. Um, and he, actually it said he was engaged or married to one of the actresses that played Pearl Tangley, but it didn't. La- it got annulled, so it didn't last very long. Mm-hmm. So he was. And that's back when it would be hard to do stuff like that, I think. He was an unpleasant person to be around. Um, in 1914... Baker would return back to Muscatine and patent the Air Caliophone. I think that's how you say it. I'm not sure. Which was a portable organ run by air pressure that could be heard for a quarter of a mile. And only good thing this man did was this. I just want to say that. It was a thing. It's the only good thing he did. 
but I bet he stole this idea from someone else. I mean, that's what you would do if you're a flim flam man. Yeah. You, I mean, you got, you know who he reminds me of? And I, when I get to his description of him, you'll see why. He reminds me of Gilderoy Lockhart. Okay. So the guy from Harry Potter, right? Yeah. Chamber of Secrets. Okay. He's the, that's one of the books I've read. He's the charlatan wizard. He's like, yes, I can do that. I've, I've vanquished all these vampires and he tries to do it and he can't do it. Isn't it, isn't it he like knows how to do the like memory erasing spell or something? He said that's the one spell he's very good. Okay. Spoiler alert. If you haven't read, that's your own fault. No, that's your own fault. No spoiler alert. It came out like forever ago. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's your own fault. But yeah, so he does like a memory spell on people who did the real thing. Yeah, and then okay. he like so tells a story and he, they can't say anything. Yep. Flim Flam Man, Gilderoy, it backfires as it always does. Okay. Where was that? In addition to making that thing, he ran a, at the same time as his creation of the Caliphone, he ran a correspondence art school and a mail order business. So legit it's pretty legit um in 1925 he got the muscatine chamber of commerce to support his idea of a radio station ktnt called know the naked truth and i can just like imagine like an old timey voice know the naked truth (laughs) you know yeah it sounds like a conspiracy radio does it that's what it sounds like does it it's gonna be like Know the naked truth. The truth they don't want you to know. The earth is flat. They don't want you to know that because then it'll prove God exists or something. Andrew, did you read my show notes? I didn't. Is this, is it what, is that what it is? Kind of. Okay. okay. You ready? So, know the naked truth. Uh, he was licensed at 500 watts. He was permitted to do to broadcast at 500 watts, but he would almost always run it at 10,000, which means he reached like almost the entire U.S. with this radio station. His station, the subject of it, Focus on small town, rural issues. Cool. Oh, yeah. It also focused on anti-Catholic and anti-Semitic rhetoric as well. So there's that. Uh, He was a staunch supporter of Herbert Hoover, uh, who was elected. And when he was elected as president, uh, Baker got a private meeting with him and then convinced Hoover to support Baker's tabloid, the Midwest Free Press. Well... The, uh, I guess the 1920s, that's about the time uh, things are about to ramp up over in uh, Europe <laughs> with anti-Semitic is it? rhetoric. Is it? Yes. It's, it, 1925, yeah. I think you're right. It's, it's about to get is going. It? Okay, yeah, you're right. Okay, and in 1929, our buddy Baker denounced the American Medical Association, which is still around today, the AMA, because he said that he, he, Baker had a guaranteed cure for cancer. Although having zero, again, sophomore graduate, didn't have a GED or high school diploma. Although having zero medical training, Baker started the Baker Institute of Muscatine, a medical institute. This was a 100 bed hospital. That's not a tiny facility. That's, you know, that's got some little bit behind it. And people would pay bukus of money because he would advertise his his little institute on his radio station, people would come all over looking for his cures. So the, uh, the hospital, the people, yeah, it was staffed by chiropractors, osteopaths and physicians from diploma mills. So pretty legit. Although I will say from some of my spinal issues, I have gone to a chiropractor and it did help, but to each his own. Um, well, a lot of the reason people think chiropractors are crazy 
It's because the guy who started chiropractic was yes. a real crazy weirdo he into was. like aliens or something. He was a little strange. I think he might have been a pervy too because I remember reading something about him. Yeah. So I think that's where a lot of the chiropractor yes. hatred comes from. Which I get. I mean, I get, but like, I, I mean, it helped me. It but was, it, yeah. I don't know about like healing, like, you know, like colds and stuff like that. Yeah. Chakras and some other silliness. Well, not probably. all of them are like that, but, but it did help some spinal issues I was having. Made me feel a lot better. So okay um baker had some very strong words against aluminum pots yes you heard me aluminum pots and pans so are you confused by that no okay i was just gonna say because that's a very aluminum is a very big bo- boogeyman for the, yeah. the anti-vaxxers yes anti-science yes. people yes so he claimed that it caused cancer he claimed that all these things cause cancer aluminum pots and pans Fluoride in the water, which we've heard before, vaccinations, and tuberculosis testing. He was against that. Although he had, he claimed, this is, I didn't read this on the internet. I remember this from the tour we did. He claimed that he had tuberculosis when he was a kid, cured himself of it. And so that's why he was licensed to to cure other people. Yeah. This, it's amazing that uh, there is nothing new in the world. This is all, all this dumb bull crap. Is it's just still later, going? Hundred years later, we're still rocking. Yeah, we're still freaking out about aluminum and vaccinations and but, stuff. Yeah, and if you believe the stuff that this guy believes, let's you should reevaluate. Okay, um, blah 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 blah. Okay, tuberculosis testing. Obviously, the accredited and very scientific AMA urged the Federal Radio Commission, the FRC, to shut down this crazy dude's radio station, and Baker did lose his radio license. In 1931. And without his radio advertising, his institute, his little hospital business declined significantly. Baker got really upset. He lashed back at the AMA by suing them for calling him, quote, a quack, a faker, and a charlatan. So he lost that uh, that little lawsuit as well. Go figure. Especially since his they got a sample of his elixir to cure cancer. Um, his cancer cure was made of clover, corn silk, watermelon seed, Carbolic acid, which can be used as a preservative, and water. Well, I mean, you need water, though. Yeah, yeah, obviously. I mean, of course. So what he would do is he would take this this elixir, and he would inject it straight into the side of the tumor like seven times a day. And it definitely worked. Did it? I'm trying to read ahead. I'm guessing no. Well, let's talk. Okay. So he learned this cure. I have that cure. You can't see my fingers. But I'm doing the quotes thing. He learned this cure from a fellow in Kansas City named Charles Oziaz. I gotta stop you. Please. It's pronounced Kinsaw City now. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Kinsaw City. Uh, Charles assured everyone it was a surefire cure, even though he had five, five test subjects before bringing this elixir on the market. He had five test subjects and all five of them quickly died after receiving his elixir. Um, is it going to turn out that they um, all died in like car crashes though? <laughs> that'd be that'd be like kind of no well okay hold on hold on quit jumping ahead i didn't know i was you're not really but okay he called <laughs> i like this quote um of that uh, baker said he called licensed physicians quote educated fools and cutters meaning like cutters as in like they cut the tumors and they do surgery because he did not believe in that right the educated fools thing kind of reminds me of uh, John Kaiser, the guy who was a vet without any training. Oh, yeah. Because he was all like, 
these doctors don't know nothing. Yeah. I'm I'm a vet, and I just became a vet because I decided I was a vet. I didn't have to go to school for it. Right, and he just kind of got grandfathered in when they were like, maybe people that are doing medical things for our pets should have a license. Yeah, that they didn't put in the requirements until later, and so he got to stay a vet though. Yeah. Okay. So, in between that, after all that stuff, some other legal stuff happened. He started another radio station in Mexico, got into some more legal trouble, yada, yada. You know, you know, stuff that you could probably expect. But, in 1937, he followed his friend Dr. John Brinkley to Arkansas and set his sights on the Crescent Hotel. He purchased the vacant and fading landmark. The folks of Eureka didn't really know, I don't think, the level of, of fraud this guy was. Yeah, it'd be a lot harder to do research on a person yes, back then. Yeah. You couldn't just be like, who's this fellow? Let's go to Google and find out. Right. So the folks of Eureka were very, very hopeful that Baker would rejuvenate the Crescent and bring business there. And he did something. He did something to it. He painted almost everything in purple. And you can, when you do the tour, they there's like these chimney stacks on some of the buildings and they left them in the lavender color that Baker painted them. So... Uh, he did something. He painted almost everything purple, except for the lobby, which he painted red, yellow, orange, and black. Fall colors? Almost, yeah, I don't, I don't know. His patented caliophone was set atop the building. You can still see it today. It's in the lobby. Uh, like a crazy person. It makes me think of like, like an organ or something on top of a building that he can like play to all his patients at midnight, you know, like. I mean, if you can hear it for a quarter mile, maybe he's just playing it to the town. Maybe, maybe not. I, I'm. I, I have my doubts. So he would walk around the premises in white suits, purple shirts, and lavender ties, and would drive a customized orchid-colored, it was like a Ford something or another. Yeah, it was weird. He named his monstrosity that he created the Cancer Curable Baker Hospital, guaranteeing a 100% success rate in curing cancer without knife or radium or x-ray. But I have a spoiler alert. That was a lie. Oh, weird. Who could have seen that one coming? I don't know. I don't know. So people from all over would come to stay and be cured. And Baker had this clever little move that he would make. Like when people, he would like send people right before, like he can tell when they were about to die. And right before they died, he would say, oh, you're getting better. You need to go home. And he would send them out. And so when they died, some of them died on the way home. Some of them died when they got home, but it wouldn't be blamed on him. It could be deaths at his hospital. Okay. Yeah. And it'd be like, oh, it must have been a car wreck or something. Like, like I, I don't know. They, they must have not kept up with their treatments. They were great when they left here. You know, it'd like, even be hard to find out if they died, honestly, probably. Yeah. I mean, it was. Yeah. Because if they're coming from all over, you know, all over the obituary is not to be posted in Eureka Springs newspaper. It'll be in somebody else's like. Little Rock's newspaper or something, whatever. And that's another way that people kept not knowing things that people got cured. They're like, oh, they left. They're fine. Also, those that were close to death. So he would like, in the hospital, he like had patients mingle because he said that was part of the healing process was creating bonds and everything. Like people didn't have doors on their bedrooms and stuff. So like he, he encouraged socialization. And what he would do, what he would do is hire actors and bring in actors to come and stay. And so they would be perfectly fine. And they'd be milling around with patients, be like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling so much better. He cured me. And then whenever newspapers would come to interview interview them and interview patients, he would make sure that the actors interviewed. Oh, interesting. It's kind of like um, uh, some of the charlatan faith healer types. Yeah. They'll get like a fake person and be like, 
they can walk again. It's or, like a magic trick. Yeah. It's or like, like um, what's his face? Jim Jones, I believe he would do a thing where he would uh, expel cancer out of people's bodies and they'd get like chicken meat and stuff. Yeah. And that would be like, look, it's the cancer. You know what? But they would never let anybody inspect it or whatever. Baker and Jim Jones have a lot in common. Flim Flam men never change. <laughs> okay. That was a weird laugh. I'm sorry, everybody. Um, so... Also, those people that were kind of close to death, he would uh, relocate them to, he'd be like, oh, you're moving to our nicer rooms. And there was this thing called like the annex or some people call it the asylum. And he would move these people over there. And it was basically like more of a quarantine. So like the the, the better patients wouldn't see the sicker patients dying and knowing that the cure wasn't working. So he'd kind of like isolate them a little bit and be like, oh, you need to stay over here. And then when they were getting close to death, he'd be like, oh, you're cured. You need to go home now. So... Uh, so basically, he actual deaths at the facility, it was open for about three years. Actual deaths at the facility, only around 40, which, I mean, that's quite a few in one building, but not that bad for a flim-flam, quote-unquote, hospital. So, also, I got to see the morgue that they kept the bodies in until the Hurst, 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 Hurst. Hurst. Hirsch. Hers? Hers. You're talking about the car? Yeah, how do you say it? Hers. Okay, that one. <laughs> uh, before it could get there, they would keep it in this morgue. It was really eerie. It's not in the basement, but it sure does feel like a basement. Here's the mean thing. <laughs> the maintenance man, his office was down there. <laughs> I was like, it's just him. Just his office down there. I was like, well, that was really mean of you guys to put him in the morgue. Anyway, poor guy. Thoughts and prayers. Um, so... I also want to talk about the third floor, which is where the annex is, that it comes off of the third floor. When John and I went to do this tour, <laughs> I have to tell this funny story. Okay, break. We're pausing for this funny story. It has to do with the Crescent. The lady was like, on this floor is where a lot of the patients, you know, that were here that died, you can really feel their spirits, the nurses and physicians that saw the death and the despair they're here and their spirits haven't left. So a lot of people that are empaths or the, a lot of people that really feel and connect to the other world, they they have a lot of sensations here. I've had a lot of people pass out. A lot of people get sick. It's just a very, very uh, high energy area. And I turned to look at John. I was like, ooh, this guy is sweating buckets. Uh, he is like profusely sweating. I was like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with you? And he was like burning up. And he was like, I, don't, I just don't feel good. I don't feel good. I was like, oh, my God, he's going to embarrass me in front of all these people. He's going to throw up. And then he's like, he has a vest on. He's like taking it off. Granted, it was pretty toasty in there. There wasn't a breeze going at the time. And so this guy's just like shaking. And I was like, are you okay? Do you need to go downstairs? And he was like, yeah, I think I need to leave. And so he left, went downstairs. And I was like, oh my gosh, all these people just watched my sweaty boyfriend run downstairs. <laughs> like they're all gonna think that he's a crazy person but anyways yeah he texted me later he's like he's like i don't feel good he's like i just threw up i went to the bathroom just threw up. i was like oh my god are you okay he's like yeah i think i'm feeling better where are you guys at i was like our tour groups down in the lobby he was down there so anyways he kind of caught up with us and I, he was i was like are you okay he's like i yeah i just i just didn't feel good and i was like do you think it was a ghost <laughs> and he was like, he's like yeah i think it was and i was like it, I knew it wasn't. And so it turns out he had taken some medicine, uh, medicine called metformin for blood sugar. He had taken it before we went on the tour. You're supposed to eat food within 30 minutes of taking this medication. And he didn't. And his blood sugar bottomed out 
on the tour, in the middle of the tour, on the floor. The lady was like, crazy stuff happens right here. And John runs off sweating and puking. (laughs) And turns out it was his medicine and he did not do what he was supposed to. I was like, you have to eat with this medicine. I wonder if that lady was like, oh my God, that's the first time anything's ever actually happened. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. Like, this is your first time, isn't it? Nobody acknowledged it. Nobody said anything. But it was just kind of funny that... It happened right then. And John's like, I was like, so I'm pretty sure that was the your body trying to kill you. He's like, no, it was a ghost. It was definitely a ghost. I like to think that uh, all the other people on the tour were like, that guy's one of the I actors. Know, He's, I know. That's what I was thinking. They plotted that out. I know. I ain't buying into this i know i was like i was like all of them think he's a fraud don't look don't make eye contact with anybody uh anyways that's just a funny funny story that happened while there so back to the story baker back to baker he was very clearly a paranoid and uneducated man he put bulletproof glass in his office because he thought people were after him he kept two submachine guns within reach of his he had a six section desk kind of like an uh what was it it's not an octagon it's not eight hex. thank you hexagon math um and one section of the desk was for all the business ventures he had, he had six business ventures at one time so each section would be for the different business stuff and he had a secret passage in a closet of his office that led out of the facility so he could make a quick getaway That's pretty baller i don't know it's and i went into that room and that was like it was the day after the ghost tour. We went back to the Crescent. We didn't stay at the Crescent. Uh, but we went back to the Crescent to get uh, massages and facials. And we, uh, we uh, the, the door, Baker's office, is as you're walking up the stairs, downstairs from the spa. And it was just wide open because I guess the people were checking out. And so I walked in there. And I was like looking around. And I was trying to find the door. I couldn't find the hidden door. It was inside one of the closets. They said they sealed it up, but you can still see like where it was. But... Anyways, I was really hoping I could see it, and I didn't see it. Yeah, it sounds pretty awesome. Kind of I, like I would, I would want that in my office. Just you want, be like, you want that to be yours? I want a, I want a secret passageway where I can make a quick getaway. I want a castle like Hogwarts. There's lots of secret passages there. I don't want a castle like Hogwarts because there's all these moving stairs. Just that seems like a real nightmare. It just sounds frustrating <laughs> to deal with. I like a good challenge. Okay, just give me a friggin' elevator if you're gonna be that big. <laughs> Okay, that's fair. Why do you think it takes me 20 minutes to get to class, professor? <laughs> you, your staircase moved 50 times. This is why we all need time turners. Don't just give it to the one girl. Yeah, that's everybody so be power messing with time. for a small child. But her, we know Hermione. She would never mess up anything. Except for when she lied to Professor McGonagall. Okay, so Baker would send these pamphlets out called Where Sick Folk get well talking about his little treatment center he would send them out in the mail claiming he had cancer cures and boasting of the success rate at his clinic he said it was a hundred percent spoiler alert it was zero uh but mail carriers said through that through the advertisement and everything he netted around five hundred thousand dollars per year which is about eight mil in today's money did that for you that's pretty impressive yeah so this little stunt of the mail because got him into legal trouble because they kept trying to get baker into trouble and get the crescent taken away from him uh i'm sorry the baker institute of blah 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 blah. but he had purchased the thing and then deeded it he purchased it in like a friend's name and so the friend wasn't doing anything wrong they couldn't take the hotel from the friend it was baker thereafter so they couldn't get him on that kind of stuff so they had to get him on mail fraud so that's the only thing they had against him 
So the law decided to get him on that mail fraud in 1940, and he spent time in federal prison from 41 to 44. Uh, lucky him. Why? World War II was happening. Oh. The, the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor in December of 41. He's like, guess I got in trouble for mail fraud. Yeah. I mean, and D-Day was in 44. Wow. War, did, war ended in 45, so. Wow. He, he got to miss out on potentially being drafted and going to war. That sucker. So in 1946, he tried to, once he was released, he went back to Muscatine and tried to reopen the hospital he had there. And the folks were like, nah, brah, get out. No, you're not doing that. You killed a bunch of people. So after he finally kind of failed at life, he he lived the remainder of his days in a three-story yacht in Florida. Ballin'. Which which sounds pretty cool to me. It belonged to somebody named Jay Gould. I don't know. Apparently, he was a famous person. I don't know who it is. But he died of cirrhosis. Go figure, in 1958. Is that the one from drinking? Yes. Okay. Typically. Not always. Typically. But cool stuff in the Baker saga in January of this year, January of 2020. Uh, the head gardener at the Crescent was beginning to prepare the ground for some mulching. And as she started digging, some old glass bottles were found. And it was at the edge of the property. And after further inspection and digging, multiple glass specimen bottles and jars were unearthed and a quote from one of the articles i read it said quote some were still filled with clear liquid yellowing to brown the molasses black the wax and rubber seals of the glass stoppers cracked but somehow holding after 80 years in the ground and some of the bottles held tissues of unknown origins like it looked fleshy they knew it was biological in nature some of it just held the serums and the elixirs that he had but a lot of them were specimen jars filled with specimen. And, uh, you know, they suspected that Baker would say, look at all these things, these people I've cured and all the tumors I remove. Here's the thing. How did you remove them without a knife? It's going to fall out, Jim Jones? Yeah, I was going to say Jim Jones yeah. style. Yeah. So anyways, who knows? We don't know. So knowing that this was a really big discovery, staff called in the police in the coroner because of the, you know, specimens, the tissue specimens, and the University of Arkansas archaeology team. Some other things discovered were bottles of Baker's elixir, pharmacy mixing tools and measuring spoons, a bone blade. Is that a blade for cutting bones or a blade made of bones? It's (laughs) for cutting bones. And reels of short promotional film that Baker had made for the facility. Oh, cool. Have they, like, were they able to actually see what that stuff looked like or was it so degraded? It was very degraded. It only said something about promotional video for Baker, blah, 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 something on okay, it. Okay, but so the that's film, how they knew. film didn't actually work or anything. No. That's too bad. I would have liked to see that. Really cool. Um, they did the, I was wondering about the bone blade because it said that he didn't do any cutting or anything. So a lot of people assumed that he did, if some patients went unnoticed by family, he, that he would do some kind of illegal autopsy on them or that he would catch other, buy cadavers or have other sp- biological specimens and be cutting on them and doing some searching, which is probably frowned upon. Yeah, I would think so. My theory that I came up with was that it's like uh the people, whatever few people may have actually died there while they were there. Yeah. Like maybe he's like, got to cut all these tumors off so it doesn't look like it was the cancer that I didn't do anything about. But then people notice the cuts. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? So, um, so that was kind of like the last big thing in the saga of John Baker, the con man of Arkansas. Flim flam. Flim flam. Flim flam charlatan, man. A quack. 
I also like the word charlatan. It's a good one. Yeah. Okay. So a little bit of aftermath of the Crescent Hotel itself. So after Baker's Hospital was closed, it was purchased and remodeled in 1946 by four owners, Herbert A. Byfield, John R. Constantine, Dwight O. Nichols, and Herbert E. Shutter. And under this new management, new vacation packages were made and business blossomed for a while. But in 1967, a fire attributed to faulty wiring started in the penthouse. I see it was a ghost. And burned much of the fourth floor. It was kind of like patched and band-aided, but it wasn't like fully restored. And the fourth floor wasn't fully like, you know, whatever. So in 1970, Nichols was the only living owner. So he sold the property to Resort Enterprises, Inc. And by 1972, just two years later, the property was sold to Crescent Heights Development, owned by four investors, Dr. and Mrs. Sam H. Corey, Mr. and Mrs. Robert Fagans. And they aimed to restore the property and make it all elaborate and beautiful again. They restored part of it in phases. Um, and everybody said this is where the supernatural origin began. So maybe they were at peace and all the ruckus woke them up. So like, hey, man, we liked it this way. Yeah, I like the old stuff. Don't mess with it. So in 1980... Riverview Management of Arkansas came into the jig as well with the new management in 85. After it's restored, Willie Nelson played to a sold out crowd at the Crystal Ballroom and Governor Bill Clinton was there and spoke. How cool is that? It's uh, quite the lineup there. I know. And in 1988, just a few years, years later, it was sold to Gary and Bill Clausen. Clausen. Um, in 1997, current owners Marty and Elise Roenick purchased the property after purchasing and remodeling another well-known hotel in Eureka called the Basin Park Hotel. Announcing the age of the second golden era in 2000, the Ronix claimed that they would have the hotel open and restored to how it had been 100 years ago within five years. Renovations began in phases, with the most recent one be- being the addition of the Crescent Cottages in 2007. So it's literally been 100 years of owner changes, being a college, being a... It was... The most elaborate establishment west of the Mississippi for the longest time, which is kind of crazy to think about, um, but it's pretty cool. It probably wasn't. Yeah, it was probably before a whole lot of people had gotten very far past the Mississippi at that point. Though. Yes, yeah. Sort of like how you know Fort Smith used to be the edge of the frontier. Isn't that wild? It is pretty odd to think about. Yeah, Fort Smith. So um, I want to talk about the haunts haunts of the crescent hotel i would love that okay and it's not to go they don't have a lot in writing down because they don't want a lot of writing they want you to come to the ghost tours um so some of this i pulled from the internet um one of the most famous ghosts besides michael is theodora and theodora was a woman who has you know the garb of somebody at the turn of the century um she was probably witnessed you know Lord knows what while she was there. And who knows? What, nobody knows what really happened to her. Um, she's often seen fumbling for her keys outside of her room, which is 419. And sometimes she asks for assistance. And sometimes she's like, oh, no. Somebody's like, can I help you? She's like, no, I'm fine. Thank you. Before vanishing, which is weird. So um, Theodora, she also has a taste for like messiness. Dis- I'm sorry, distaste for messiness and discord in the rooms. So some people have said that whenever they uh, like leave their hotel room and they leave stuff out, they don't have room service. They don't, they haven't asked for room service, but they come back, things are stacked up and folded up nicely and set, set around, which is so weird. 
It is weird. I wonder if they just don't even send a cleaning, cleaning crew there. Like, ah, she'll take care of it. Yeah. Thanks, Theodora. <laughs> thanks, Theo. Um, and she like, if she doesn't like loudness and arguments. And so there's like been some stories that have said that people have, that have been like fighting, couples that have been fighting the room. If they step out for a while and then come back, sometimes they see their suitcases packed by the door and they're like, all right, it's time for us to go. Theo doesn't want us here. But overall, all the ghosts are harmless. Um, some people say they see her sitting in a vanity, kind of like brushing her hair, getting ready. Um, some of the other mentionable haunts of the hotel, there is a little girl who fell to her death. Some people say it was a woman who fell to her death saying she was pregnant and which was frowned upon at the time. And so she, you know, pitched herself off the roof. Um, but there has there was never any record that that happened, like that there was a person like at the conservatory or any other record of anybody doing that at all. So they're not really sure where that one comes from, but multiple people have said they've seen that. There's an unnamed nurse with this. If There's a picture of it. it. looks like she has a jaw deformity and she's pushing a gurney down the hall towards the annex, also known as the asylum. Like deformity, like something happened or like a sickness type thing? It's kind of hard to tell because in the picture, it's like her face, you know, who, I mean, it's a ghost picture, whatever. Like her, like, her top of her head is like normal, but like the side of her face, I can't remember which side it was. One of the side of her faces is very distorted while the other one isn't. And so they think there was, she, maybe she was a worker there, but also had some kind of cancer or something and maybe died from that. Anyways, kind of weird. Um, there's also Brecky who was, I think the son of one of the presidents of, of the, of the conservatory or whatever. I can't remember. So he was a four-year-old boy that he took up an illness and passed away a hundred some odd years ago. He loves to play down the hallway. He's stopping and saying, you can hear him saying, that's not fair. And they think that it might be him living at the conservatory with all these women. You know, he wants to play with somebody and there's nobody to play with. So he says, that's not fair. And he just bounces his ball down the hallway. And he likes to play with all the other children there because there wasn't any in his time. But he also said that he likes to photobomb people. So my favorite, though, my very favorite is Morris the cat. Morris was the manager of the Crescent Hotel for 21 years before he passed away in 1994. Yes, Morris is a cat. Uh, But he was the resident cat. He was very lovable. He'd just make himself at home on the couches and stuff. There's like a nice fireplace in the lobby. And he liked to curl up there and greet guests and everything. So he was the best manager. He was the best manager possible. Um, And I just put, he passed away in 94, but he still keeps up his kitty and managerial duties. (laughs) Did you, did you see Morris at all? No, I didn't. A lot of people say they feel, it it feels like a cat rubbing up against their legs. Oh, okay. But they look down and there's not a cat. I'm just imagining, like, I don't know, you're sitting on a couch, a cat shows up, you pet it for a while, and then it goes off. And you're, you're like, like, oh, that was Morris. Yeah, well, you're just like, oh, I was just petting this cat. And they're like, there hasn't been a cat here in over a decade. Uh, spoiler alert, there's another resident kitty there now. Oh, okay. I can't remember his name. Didn't see him either. I think there's two, actually. I think I read there's two. Um, so I just like this quote here that I, it was at the conclusion of the Eureka Springs history website about the Crescent Hotel. So it says of the talking about the significance of the property, the establishment of the Crescent brought development to Northwest Arkansas and the railroad to the Ozarks, a refuge to the sick and weary, a vacation for the wealthy, a place of learning for the privileged. 
The symbol that was the castle in the air is the predecessor to a region which is now one of the most successful in the country. Which I love. It was just like wraps it up nicely. So, Andrew, that is the story of the Crescent Hotel and its inhabitants, both living and dead. And I would like to put my stamp of approval on the name Castle in the Air. I do. Pretty I like good. it. Approve. And Castle in the Sky is a movie. Oh, you looked it up? Yeah. Okay. It's, it's a Studio Ghibli film from like the 80s. I've never seen it though. I haven't either. Nice work. Yeah, you did a good job. Thanks. I liked that one. Uh, it doesn't really... Sorry for... There's not really any moita in there. Not as much as normal anyway. But I just... I think it's a really awesome story. I love the Crescent. It was very, very cool going there. Okay. So I have um, a couple little ghost stories to talk about this week. Hell yeah. Some of them aren't really go. ghost stories. So they're funny. I want to start off with a funny one. Kind of like my ghost story from last week where it was definitively proven that there was no ghost. It was just other people on the train tracks with us. Yeah, that one. Now, I like um, I like the John story that I told earlier. It's probably my favorite, but I worked that one in. So um, I asked everybody at my work. I was like, tell me, do you have any ghost stories? Anything spooky? Um so uh, my friend Courtney, she said that her daughter has this Olaf, you know, like the snowman from Frozen. She has this moving speaking Olaf doll and its eyes blink. And she said, if you leave it alone for about 10 minutes and like it doesn't move or make any noise. But after about 10 minutes, it whispers, I have just one question. Why are we whispering? And it like blinks and moves. And I was like, hell, <laughs> get that out of here. She was like. Olaf's going to be going away for a while. I think his batteries might be lost. I don't know. <laughs> so that was like, ooh, I don't like that one. Um, my friend Oakley. Oh, Oakley. Friend of the podcast, Oakley. Um, you know, that did the the one episode with her husband. Yes. Which and one she's, was that? she's named after uh, sunglasses. Oh, yes, of course. And Annie Oakley. Or that, that would be more fun. I don't know. Than the thing I said, being named after sunglasses would be unfortunate. I don't know where it came from. Um she said that her mom, um, she used to clean some houses and that she used to clean this one elderly man's house and um, <clears throat> her favorite candy of all time was Tootsie Rolls. Is that right? Tootsie Rolls. Yes. Um, that's her favorite candy of all time. She said she was cleaning the house. She set her keys down. It was just her keys on the table and she turned around to do something and looked back and there are like three Tootsie Rolls laid out by her keys. And so she's getting ready to leave. She said she took the Tootsie Rolls and just said, thank you. Because <laughs> I think the man's wife had passed away or something. And so I was just, she was just like, thank you. <laughs> Which I thought was so funny. Um, also, Oakley told me a really spooky story that happened this weekend to her. All right. So Oakley was, she was laying in bed. It was early, early morning, Saturday morning. Her husband had gotten up like, like four or something to go hunting and ghost hunting no oh, okay i think animal. demon hunting no nope. oh. deer deer for venison which have antlers which are sort of like horns which demons have demon deer can we yeah why not can we meet a compromise you meet a ghost deer or elk in uh, skyrim it's true you do yeah why not it's real life okay so oakley was in bed and Stephen was out. Stephen was not at home. And she said it was around six o'clock in the morning. She was just comfortably laying down. She said she kind of came to and was kind of confused and like blinking. And, and then she felt something. She felt it was like somebody's knee was up on the bed, like their leg was bent and the knee was up on it. And they were kind of rocking back and forth on it and like putting weight into it and like 
letting go with her knee bent on the bed. She said when they did that, it felt like somebody was underneath the bed pushing her legs up. And she was like, like as soon as she felt that, she said her eyes were like open wide. She said, I was wide awake after that. She said, I just didn't move. I didn't move at all. And she said, I kept feeling it. She said, finally, I like had my arm down by my side and I started pinching myself. And she was like, I just want to make sure I was like really awake. And she's like, I was awake. And I was feeling, I was like, am I awake? Yes, I was. And I kept feeling it. She said, finally, I, I don't know if it stopped or if she just like started moving. It was like, Aah. and uh, anyway, she looked, there was nothing there. Her, she has two dogs. One of them was like outside of the room in his kennel. And one was like on the other side of the bed, like laying like. I'd almost be scared to uh, to move or to run get up or, because yeah. if, what if it's underneath and she's waiting for me to get off Ew. and then it's going to grab me by the ankles and dra- drag me down to hell. Well, you just made it really bad. She was freaked out. She said, I almost called you. Like you were almost the first person I called, but I called Steven and was like, can you call? He was like, hey, what do you want? I'm in the deer woods. <laughs> and she was like, can you come home? <laughs> and so she said, she turned on the light. She did not go back to sleep. She left the room and did not go back in. I was like, I don't know. She's like, she was, she was literally like, Stephen, I'm ready to put the house on the market. Like, let's go. She was done. She was over it. And I was like, that's pretty freaky. That's almost as scary as my, uh, my possessed, uh, blender over there. Oh uh, yeah. Is that the same one? That's it. You're looking oh, at it. Oh wow. Oh, another visual, another visual thing. I was just wondering if that's, I mean, the, it's, it's a red blender. Who cares? We're recording in the kitchen. Andrew's looking at the red blender. I'm suspicious of it now. <laughs> I know, me too. Was Except it always plugged? Was it always facing that direction? I don't know. But did it always move on its own accord? I just imagine it's like um, movies where there's like a haunted doll, where like it's facing one way, and then <laughs> the scene changes and the head is moved or something, but you don't see it. So it's like, uh, uh. I look back and uh, it plugged itself in. Uh, it's like the brave little toaster, except it's the brave little mixer. He just want to do his job. He just want to work. Is that the brave little toaster? Was that movie? Yeah, uh, that was yeah, it. Yeah, they got left behind and they had Aww. to go find their master or whatever. I won't leave you behind, Mixer, if that's what you're worried about. I like you too much. Okay. Um, one more? One more little ghost story? Okay. So, my my buddy Corey uh, at work, he and his wife, Deshae, um... No, no, it was just, it was just Deshae. She went, uh, I think it was, she went to the Crescent. If not, it was the Arlington and Hot Springs. Um, they went to the hotel with just like, I think it was like, like some girlfriends, you know, just for a fun weekend out. She said, he, Deshae said that the door that was locked, she didn't like, did get, didn't give me a lot of context. It just said the door that was locked in their hotel room, like kept opening. It was like a closet door kept opening and slowly like creaking open and close. I was like, I'm out. <laughs> they didn't stay in one of the, like there's, we're in 419 and 218 at the Crescent that are like the most haunted. They didn't stay in, their friends didn't stay in either one. So she also said, Deshae said she woke up in the middle of the night and her hair was like T, like up, like T straight up. And I suspect that that one was Michael because Michael loves to play with ladies' hairs. Oh yeah. He likes to just touch and play. So. And wasn't he Irish? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. My, oh, Michael, the ladies, man. The Irish ladies, man. Yeah, you're, you're just like, come on, Michael. Yeah. Why Michael, where are you? Let's be friends. I love that you're Irish. And you're a stonemason? Uh, I hope no Irish stud muffin comes around here to hang out. And plays with my hair. That, that would, would be terrible. I would just hate that. <laughs> He's like, well, I'm going to avoid this chick. 
What a creep she is. Yes. So it also was like said that in some of the ghost kids there at the hotel, they like to play with, with people's hair too. So maybe it was one of the ghost kids, which is sad. Um, and Deshay, they were doing a tour. She saw a creepy locker. Corey showed me this picture. Show me. Um, she saw a creepy locker and I think it was like in the basement or something. She took a picture you can kind of see like the shadow of a person's body there. Ooh. I know. It's a little freaky. So she's had a lot of uh, a lot of paranormal stuff happen to her. So I need to hang around her if I want to see some stuff. Or don't. Or no, Oakley's the one I want to avoid. I don't like that. The the demon that was going to grab you by the ankles. What is wrong with bed? you? Now you have me freaked out. I wasn't freaked out until you put in with your nonsense. And now I'm really freaked out. I'm sorry. I just... uh. I have I have an imagination, I guess. I don't like it. Shut it down. It's too late. All right, and I'll save the rest for another time. All right. Um. So yeah, what keep sending like? in ghost stories if you got any. Yeah, please. We want to hear it. Please, 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 please. Especially if you if you have an experience with the Garden Lights where it wasn't just other teenagers <laughs> <laughs> like mine, I would love to hear that. Especially or, or is actually good. I think Corey said that they, he had seen the Garden Light and it was. I think he said he went there. Maybe it was Corey. Somebody did. Said it was like, no, nah, it wasn't real. It was another kid. Yeah. It's, it's always. That happened thing. like, I think I mentioned this. It happened like five more times. Yeah. Where we'd see a light in the distance and go, <gasps> no, it's just Aww. other teenagers again. <laughs> and they thought we were the thing too. And they were like, yeah. All right. Well, All right. So what you, what you looking at? Um. So I haven't watched anything spooky or whatever, but I started re-listening to a spooky podcast. Oh yeah. Tell me. It's called The Black Tapes. Oh, what is it? It's a, uh, essentially it starts off as this, it's a docudrama. So it's like a fake documentary. Okay. And so it's, it's done sort of like it's a radio show or a podcast. They say it's a podcast. On the right, podcast, right, right, right. Where it's uh follows this lady around who uh, finds this guy who basically debunks ghost stuff. Cool. And there's these black tapes he has and the black tapes are all of the ghost stuff he hasn't been able to disprove yet. Ew. And so they go looking around, talk to people and stuff. It's really cool. Uh-huh. The ending of the show sucks. I remember that. But uh-huh. I mean, it had like six seasons. And I think they just like ran out of money or something. Like, we we got to wrap this up. Did it have famous people in it? No. Uh-huh. Hmm. Okay. No, but it's really good. I like it a lot. I will have to I'll have to check that out. I'm interested. Yeah, that's the, the black tapes. The black tapes. Cool. What else? That's about it, really. Oh, okay. I played some NBA 2K20 because it was free. And oh, <laughs> man. I know where this I did the, the face scan mm-hmm. function on it, and uh, it did not go well. It went very poorly. It, uh, I'm, I'm canceled now yeah. because it put me, it made me black, and I am very white. Yeah. So It was very weird. I was like, you're like, look at this picture that it face made of me with like, a, I was like, what the? I was like, no, yeah. that's not what you look like I am at a, all. I'm a white guy with uh, buzzed or shaved hair, and they made me a black guy with a kind of a, a fro. Mini fro, flat top. <laughs> yeah. I was like, uh, no. really missed the mark on this one, guys. No, that is not, no. And also the guy's like face was really swollen looking. <laughs> like so he, description. Yeah, so he looked like those pictures of dogs when they eat a bee and their <laughs> face gets all swollen. <laughs> Except the human version of that is, it, it was a nightmare. It wasn't that bad. But it, it did, it did, it made you, I was like, why did it make you like this? Like, and like his cheeks are all really high up too. So it's like, 
He's like squinting the whole time yeah. in a weird way. It's it's real bad. Maybe it's because of your your beard thing you have going on. I blame it on the beard somehow. It could could be, I guess. I don't know. Seems weird though. But that's that's about all. Oh, okay. Uh, Black tapes is great though. Cool. It's as good as I remember. I just remember the end sucks, but it's the, it's the journey and all that. Yeah, yeah. It's like Game of Thrones. But again, I mean, they made however many episodes. There was like five or six seasons worth of episodes. Yeah. So it's not like it's all bad or something. It's just like one episode. Yeah. The last one. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It ends in a very abruptly and nonsensical way. Hate it. Done. But yeah, so I, I say check that out. It's pretty good. Also, I haven't done it yet. You know that Lovecraft Country show? Yes. Have you been watching that still? No. Okay. Well, I haven't watched it either, um, but it inspired me to download a free PDF, basically, to my Kindle that is just a bunch of old, all of uh, Lovecraft stories. Oh, so yeah? I'm going to read some of those at some point. Ooh, those are spooky. Those are weird. Cool. You'll have to tell us about them. They're pretty weird. Will do. Okay. Hopefully, they're not too racist. They will be. But I know a lot of them are. Ooh. Okay. I have two things that I've been watching. Okay. First one, Haunting of Bly Manor, because we all know that... Haunting of Hill House is like definitely in my top five favorite shows of all time. Yeah. Is it is the new one good or that seems like a no. My face. <laughs> you, t- made a, you made a, a sad like. Disappointed. Yeah. Face. It was a very disappointed face. Um, so far, no. Not as good as the first season. What What is. What's the conceit on this show? This new one. What do you mean? Like. What's the story? Yeah, basically. Like, what's the setup? So it's it uses it's uses some of the same actors from the first season. Uh, you, so you'll see some familiar faces, which I like, um, but also some very 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 talented new cast. Um, so it's in the eighties, and this uh, this au pair, this nanny, is in. She's American, but she's in London. She's looking for a job. Um, and she finds this job as an au pair to these this rich family that has these two kids whose parents died and their uncle is their like caretaker or whatever. But he lives in London. The kids live like two or three hours away on the family estate called Bly Manor. So um, anyways, a bunch of spooky stuff happens. It's weird. This is what I don't like. Like they want you. There's been two instances where two of the characters have gone on a monologue where you're supposed to like it's supposed to be emotional and you feel attached to them. I was on my phone during that. I was not. I was not invested in these characters at all. They are some of the most unlikable characters I've ever seen on a TV show. That's unfortunate. Because um, you watched the first season, didn't you? Yeah. It was really good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And also, when I first watched that, you know, that first season, I was like, I heard they were doing a second one. And I was like, why? Yeah. It wrapped up so well. It's just like, just... Do you, well, it doesn't find have, a different thing. It doesn't have anything to do. It's two different, totally different stories. They're not related in any way. Okay. Well, the only thing it does is use some of the same actors from the first season, but they're different, totally different characters in this season. Oh, weird. It's kind of like a like um American Horror Story. Yes, thank you. I, that's what I said, and John was like, "What's that?" And I was like, "Get out." I mean, I haven't really watched it, but I just but know, you know I know that yeah, thing about it. They recycle actors, but not characters. It's like James Bond again. Exactly. So, anyways. Um, except they play this, but the same. reverse. Yeah, but I was like, wait, no. It's reverse James Bond. Reverse James Bond. Yes. Jenny Bond. Uh, now you're just making it weird. <laughs> okay, but yeah, Bly Manor. I have two, we have two episodes left to watch. I'm not invested in it. I'm just I I'm not in love with it. I'm not. 
I guess the other spooky thing, real quick, is I've watched a bunch of Simpsons, so I've seen those Treehouse <laughs> of Terror, yeah. Treehouse of Horror episodes. Yeah. So there's that. I yeah. Don't know. Disney Plus should put a, a playlist that is just those. Oh, the spooky ones. Yeah, they should. That'd be cool. It was yeah. on TV. Were you watching it on TV? No, I was watching it on Disney Plus app. Oh, okay, okay. Also, something else that I watched that I think everybody should watch. Do you remember hearing about Chris Watts? Do you remember Chris Watts? Who who's that? The dad that killed his wife, his pregnant wife, and his two little girls a couple of years ago. I don't remember that. In, in Colorado, and he like buried his wife and put his two little girls in an oil well at the facility that he worked at. Do you remember that? Nope. Well, that sounds really horrible. It was awful, and like in the initial days of the investigation. They kind of, I think they kind of suspected, but they were like, he was like making news, like on the news, people are interviewers are coming to his house. He's like, I just want my family home. The home's empty without you. I love you. Please come back. Blah, blah, blah. This a-hole, the whole time, he killed four people. He killed, and because his wife was well into her second trimester, they knew they were having a baby boy. And this guy was cheating on his wife for months before this. And planning on leaving her and he just didn't have the balls to divorce her because he didn't want to deal with the headache of it so what did he do he killed his pregnant wife and his two little girls that sounds like much more of a headache than a divorce i'll be honest i've you never think i've never done any of those things it's just that like, i'm willing to admit to but it <laughs> seems like getting a divorce as terrible as it is yeah It'd be for one. It'd be less terrible for him because he's the douchebag in the situation. Oh, an evil, evil man. Yeah. So his, but murder is way worse uh, and more of a headache. And now yeah. he's obviously in, in jail. Life in prison. Or, yes. Yeah. He got life in prison. And I mean, spoiler alert. But if you don't know the ending, I mean, you clearly don't keep up with true crime. So I mean, sometimes it's like uh, that show Narcos, and it's like about Pablo Escobar. Yeah. And I was like, I wonder what happened to him. I can't look it up. Because it'll spoil season two. Did it? <laughs> no, I didn't look it up. I oh, was okay, like, okay. Because I didn't want to know. I was like, uh, okay, okay, <laughs> I was like, okay. I gotta see season two first before I I know what happened to Pablo Escobar. Yeah, it. I mean, it was just, and I knew what happened. Here was the interesting thing about this documentary because I'm sure there's been stuff before podcast documentaries in depth. He gave it was had some of his like jailhouse interview basically, like when he was investigated by the police. Like how it was all presented. From the, from the advantage, the eye point, the whatever I'm trying to say, you know what I'm trying to say? The viewpoint. Point of view. Yes, of te- from technology, from all the texts that Shanann is, is the wife that was murdered. So from all the texts Shanann had with her friends and all the texts that Chris had with, you know, his affair partner and everything else, from video footage, video footage from their neighbor's house the morning that he loaded up his family and so has video of that but it's just enough off screen that you can't tell exactly what he's doing and you can't tell that he's loading up anything he said he was leaving for work that at that time but he like his truck was parked on the street he backed it up to the garage that's what you could see like to the very like butted right up to the garage so you couldn't see anything and it was anyway all i can say is the neighbor that had that that footage here's what it was 
Shanann had just gone missing. The police were getting involved. They were taking t- uh, statements from everybody. And the the neighbor was like, well, I have video. We can see if any cars went by last night or whatever to pick her up. So uh, they pull out the video and they see Chris getting his truck. Back it up. He didn't. I bet he did not know this man had this vantage point. And so he, you can see him sweating buckets and he's acting real nervous. And Chris is like, yeah, that's when I left for work. When you know, I told you I left for work around 520. That's when, that's when I left for work. And it was around 517, I think. So they're like, okay, yeah, maybe. So anyways, they watch the video. They don't see anything suspicious. And so the cop was like, hey, this is the cop's body cam is catching all this. Uh, the cop was like, hey, Chris, why don't you go back next door to your house? Talk to the cop that's over there. Blah, 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 blah. Kind of in way. The neighbor watched him leave and then turned to the cop who was like, he's acting weird, man. He's not acting right. Something's not right. He's never fidgety and like nervous like this. He's like, he did something. He's hiding something. Dude, that neighbor is awesome. He was like, nah, man, I don't trust him. He's, he's, he's acting weird. And so like that neighbor, that neighbor knew what was up. So shout out to that guy. Don't know his name. He's my hero. Yeah. And also like, I wonder how many times we've seen where like, the husband or boyfriend is on oh, TV, yeah, pretending. Yeah. So, like, it happened with uh, Cassie Cotta. Yeah, that guy was on the news. Yes, um, pleading to come home. Reminds me of Gone Girl. I don't yeah, we've ever seen that. I've never seen it, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Um. Or uh, what was that one? I can't think of his name. Or but he ba- he murdered his neighbor, who was this woman. Oh yeah. And he was like a creep and didn't know her that well, but he was on the news acting like he did. Yes. The, that very famous one where they're like, oh, and they found the body and he just like freezes. Yeah. He knows he knows he's done. I know what you're talking about. I've seen that. I've seen that clip. Yes. And also his, he has that weird thing where he's in the in- interrogation room and he just sits perfectly still for like hours. Oh, and it's really God. weird. That's creepy. Eerie. Yeah. Well, it was really funny. It wasn't funny. It was awful. But these cops did some hard work and like they, you know did what they could very quickly really but it's because of technology that just caught him really and which is just incredible you know that everything is documented everything you do whether you know it or not it is documented so anyways he they came in and they're like hey would you come in for a polygraph which you know is a loose science but it it can scare scare the truth out of some people and so he said yeah i'll come in and so the lady I guess investigator or whatever is sitting at the table and he's sitting at the table and he is like nervous. You can tell. And she's like, you're, you're going to have to calm down. The readers aren't working right because you're very nervous. So we're just going to go through these questions and she has to do it twice. And so she's like, all right, um, I'm going to step out, talk to agent so-and-so or investigator, blah, blah, blah. And then they both come back in the lady and this other fellow employee investigator with the police department. And she said, well, you probably know this, but you horribly failed that. She's like, and we know that you're lying, Chris. And like, she's like, I'm not lying. She's like, well, that was stupid to say that because we know you are. All we want to know is what you did with them. And like, I mean, what what do you think you're going to do? Do you think you're going to get away with it? Like people, men, especially and women, but mostly men like that, you're going to get caught, grow up hair and fess up like a man. I don't like that you're pointing at me <laughs> I'm sorry. for that whole thing. I'm sorry. I just need you to know and everybody else. Okay. That's my soapbox and I'm off of it now. Well, all right then. You got anything else? Uh, no. Done? I, all think right. that, I think that's it. That was a lot of speaking in one episode. 
All right. Well, I think uh, we can wrap it up then. Okay. Um, this has been Paint the Town Dead. Mm-hmm. I have been Andrew. I've been Caitlin. That's my co-ghost, Caitlin. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, we would love it if you would uh, share our podcast with people. Just load up some iPods and yeah. throw them at people. <laughs> iPods. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you could do that or you just use like facebook or twitter yeah. or instagram hey we have a facebook paint the town dead twitter pttd pod uh-huh. we got instagram paint the town dead all one word and we have an email it is pttd pod at gmail.com uh-huh. you can send us whatever you want um a message an email anything let us know Hey, when you leave us a review, please make sure it's five stars. We would, we would, we would appreciate that. And um, if you leave us anything but five stars, we want to know why. <laughs> That's it. Okay. Um, Thank you. But uh, yeah, so if we get anything wrong, we'd like to hear it. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you have any spooky stories yourself, you can send it to any of those locations I listed, whatever your preferred method is, and we would love to share them on this here podcast. Yes, sir. So, with that, I've been your co-ghost, Andrew, with my co-ghost, Caitlin, and we have been Paint the Town Dead. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Probably cutting that part out. (laughs)